I just love these children and their memory verses. Parents, please invest in them. Thank you for doing that, and please, please send in the videos of it. They'll get to see themselves on TV. And I know this, that we typically give kids a, um, a, a $5 coupon or a card from um, Dairy Queen. And we're trying to figure out how to do that because we can't go in the store and get them right now, and we're running low. But we will get them, and we want to reward your kids. It's a great thing for them to be, um, be memorizing God's Word. Please keep that up. So today's the 19th, and uh, our proverb of the day, I chose verse 11. The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger. And his glory is to overlook a transgression. What a great, a great um, proverb for us. Last week on Easter, uh, what, a, what a great day for the church. Um, it might have felt different. It was so different. I don't, can't remember an Easter like that. But we know that the Holy Spirit was at work even though um, we weren't together in person. And in fact, uh, it's new to me, but on the church's webpage at the end of the service, uh, a button popped up and there was a place for people to indicate, um, I, I'm receiving Jesus. And we had, uh, um, in, in the services last weekend, we know seven people at least received the Lord. I am so grateful for how the Holy Spirit has moved, and there was probably others as well, and seeing the Holy Spirit touch and draw people, what a great thing. And here's the thing about Easter, some other funny things too. I got this photograph, and I think this particular um, congregant, I don't know why they were there. I don't know that there's any hope for really for this congregant. Um, (laughs) However, everybody does know that dogs actually do go to heaven, so I got this picture too, and so this obviously it's what a contrast there. <laughs> if that has upset you or offended you, I'm really sorry. My address is Aaron at Crossroads.life. You can yell at me there. Um, today we're starting a new series, and uh, I have had in my study and in my walks with the Lord in preparation for where we would be going following Easter. I've had a very strong leading from the Lord, and for frankly, I think it's going to be a bit challenging for many of us, but I think it's rich and it's good, um, and it has to do with thriving. Thriving, not surviving, thriving, and uh, no matter what is going on around us. And I believe the Lord is calling the church, That's, and the church doesn't mean the organization or the building, it means me, and it means you, it means individual people. To, to, he's calling us to, to a new level, to grow and to, to learn how to thrive in our walk with him, no matter what's happening around us and no matter what's happening in culture. And uh, I, I, we're being called specifically to grow past a condition that's described in the New Testament, and you'll see this in Hebrews chapter 5 and, and uh, 1 Corinthians 3 and, and 1 Peter 3, um, where, um, where the Lord talks about the, the, the fact that some people kind of only want to live off of milk. And um, the Lord is calling every person to move forward from there. I mean, it's, it's right for children to need milk. And it's right for new Christians to need milk. That's appropriate. But at some point, we have to move on to solid food and and to more sophisticated meals and to more spiritual maturity and to to places where their own faith can lead them through uh, choppy waters and um, troubled times and where their own faith has the ability to not only lead them through but to be a positive leadership source for people around them and for, for those who need to hear about the Lord. 
And I believe God is calling us to that. And by the way, this is, is, is a very, very encouraging word from the Lord. This is not corrective in, in its nature at all. You know, God's love is what's calling us to, to this place where his blessings can land. Did you know that God's blessings don't land everywhere? There are some places and some things that the Lord just cannot bless. And the Lord wants to move us into a place where I can bless that would be his statement. And out comes the blessings of God. God's, God wants to move us there. And uh, not that we're not there now, but he wants to get us all into the middle of that. And um, his thoughts about us are, are about our future and about our hope and about our peace. They're not about our calamity. And we need this today. I need this today. You need this today. And the people around you and me need this to be in us today. And so that's where we're going to be going. The Apostle Paul described this a little bit. I'll just give you a little uh, idea of of where the Lord wants to move us from. You find this in Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again of the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of of, of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And then the next chapter, therefore let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, and this we will do if God permits. So, I mean, look around the people that you know and the people that you interact. Some people have this growing faith. They, they have this understanding of God. They've got maturity. And other people, they know Christ, but they still live on spiritual milk. And, you know, some people that you encounter today, they're confident and they're full of faith and they've got vision and while at the same time there are others who do know the Lord and, and even so they're just overloaded with anxiety and they're, they're carrying stress and fear. Why, why the difference? You know, why do some people have hope in spite of what's going on around them while other people don't have that problem? And, and, and you know, how, how can I be one of those people who wakes up with hope and vision for the day instead of anxiety? I want to be that person. You know, because when you talk to people, believers or not, about COVID, about shelter in place, you know, it stirs up a whole lot of anxiety. And you just see this picture. It just stirs up so much about the unknown. I've had uh, opportunities in the last couple of weeks to have interactions with a couple of clinical psychologists and you know, on the topic of how is sheltering in place, how is this whole thing that's kind of over the world about COVID, how is that affecting people's mental health? And I got some generic information that um, I'll share it with you now. Now listen, this is not good news. So don't get overwhelmed by this. This is just a little bit of what's going on out there. It's not going to surprise you at all. Um, but this is what we're going to see the Lord help us overcome. Okay, one of the biggest issues is anxiety. Anxiety shows itself up with um, you know, sleep disturbances, sleeping problems. And, and, and problems with anxiety and sleeping problems is that in turn degrades your, your, uh, your immunity. That's not a good thing right now to have degraded. Um, and you see it followed up with fear and uh, worry and panic. By the way, panic runs in herds. Have you noticed that? If you go to Costco and they're opening up, you'll see the people, the first thing they're going to head for is way back in the corner where the toilet paper is because they've got to get some. They might have enough at home, but they're thinking, boy, if I don't get some, I won't be able to because everybody else is going to go get it. So the herd runs back there in panic and gets their toilet paper. But if you notice, I have. If you've noticed, if you go to just the, the corner grocery store, Lisa and I went into the IGA just down the street from the church. There's no rush in there. The, the shelves are stocked. People are walking around like it's a normal day in the grocery store. There's no, per, no panic by the herd there. 
And um, anyway, so panic runs in, in herds, and, and people are lonely. Another thing is that the, there's been an increase in self-destructive behavior. We see problems kind of creeping upwards a little bit in the areas of, of uh, alcohol abuse, marijuana abuse. By the way, in this state, it's kind of crazy to me, but marijuana stores are considered essential. I don't understand that, um, and, and problems like that. And then, of course, we're all dealing with all kinds of questions about information and misinformation. Who do we trust? And frankly, it's real easy right now to get digitally overloaded. You're on so often, and you're checking for news so frequently. It could just be discouraging. Our, our messages over the last several weeks here at Crossroads have been addressing that. We did messages about how to have peace of mind and, and when it's too much weight to carry. And there's four messages from four different Sundays. They're available on our website, by the way. You can download them for free. They're there. The thing is that, that the Lord wants more for us than survival. He wants us to thrive, and, and thriving is, is where we're going to be headed in the next several weeks, and because you and I were not meant to struggle to make it through the week, or even to make it through the day, or even to make it through the next hour. We weren't meant for that. We weren't meant to feel this weight all the time. We weren't meant to be shackled by anxiety and fear and, and worry. Not at all. In fact, we were meant for something way better and so much more. You were meant to have life and to have life abundantly, according to Jesus in John 10.10. Abundantly. We're meant to know God and to make help him be known. We're meant to, have, to, to be able to point to the one, the true source of joy and peace and trust and truth. His name is Jesus, by the way. Surviving, the attitude of survival is for people who are struggling with hope. That's not me, and it's not you if you're a believer, if you're one of the, the king's kids. You were meant to thrive, to thrive. So let's get into, um, to get into the scriptures. Now, our primary text today um, is in Psalm chapter 1, and I'm going to give it to you in two different translations um, because I felt like it was kind of helpful. So we're going to start in the contemporary English version. This is Psalm 1, chapter 1, the very first beginning of the book of Psalm. God blesses those people who refuse evil advice and won't follow sinners or join in sneering at God. Instead, the law of the Lord makes them happy, and they think about it day and night. So here, right off the bat, God is contrasting hanging out with people who are discouraging and not helpful versus loving God's word. It's as if you hang out with the wrong people or you love God's word. If you love God's word, you're not hanging out with the wrong people. If you're hanging out with the wrong people, you probably don't love God's word. That's what's this contrast that's going on here. Verse 3, these people that God blesses, they are like trees growing beside a stream, trees that produce fruit in season and always have leaves. These people succeed in everything they do. I love that. This is a great place for us to be right now. Now, our text is the same passage, but we're going to be teaching today from the New King James Version. Let's do that again. Blessed which also means happy, is the man. Literally, this, this phrase is, blessings are to the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. This, this psalm starts out by describing a righteous, a blessed, a happy person in negative terms because, okay, the first point about Christians, for Christians, how to thrive. This is to Christians. 
how to thrive because, number one, you are not like those people around you. The Christian that the Lord blesses and is thriving, he's not influenced so much by the attitudes and the actions and the beliefs of people who, who don't follow God and don't love God, by people who are, they're not swayed by the ungodly and by every wind that blows along. They don't take part in the actions and in the moral paths of people who don't love the Lord. They, they, they don't lend their presence to it. They don't lend their voice to those, those who oppose God and reject God's ways. This is like saying, in our, in our uh, context, blessed, a blessed son or daughter is someone who practices spiritual separation, spiritual distancing. Now, I'm not, you know, Jesus says, Jesus himself said that, that we are in the world, but we're not of the world, right? So this idea of spiritual separation doesn't mean we physically separate ourselves from anyone who doesn't love God. That's not possible. It's also not the Lord's will. And we can't help it. We, we, you may even have people in, in your home who don't know the Lord. And, um, you know, we're going to be around people who don't know the Lord. Um, our call is to be salt and light to those people. Our call is not to be clones of those people, but instead to be influencers of those people. Because 1 Corinthians uh, 5, or 15, 33 tells us, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You know, the old saying is, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Because, you know, I, 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 this has been one of my prayers for my children since they were little kids, that they would be influencers, not influenced. So how to thrive, number one, don't be like the world around you. The second point is this, consume God's word. Consume it. And we have a secondary text I'm going to come to in a minute. I don't want to put this up quite yet, but Jesus was having this conversation with the disciples, and this was just before he was going to the cross. And, and it was like at the, the, the evening of the Last Supper, and, um, and he's talking to them and sharing with them. And then um, the, the conversation continues as they leave, and they start walking toward Gethsemane. And then at some point, it stops being a conversation between Jesus and his disciples, and it turns into a conversation between Jesus and God the Father. And uh, it's an amazing passage. You can find it in John chapter 17 and before and after a little bit. And it's, in that passage, you see all these wonderful things that Jesus teaches, you know, about the vine and the branches and how the fact that um, he doesn't call us servants anymore. He calls us his friends. Can you imagine that? Jesus says we are his friend. Um, and then partway through this prayer, Jesus makes this comment. He's praying to God the Father, and he says, I do not pray for the world but I pray for those that you have given to me. He's saying to the Father, now this prayer, this conversation is not about the whole world. This is about people who have followed me, my believers, the Christians. And we're going to pick this up. And Jesus is talking to God about you and me, and he's talking about how we interact with God's word. Okay, We're going to pick this up in verse 13. But now I come to you. This is Jesus talking to the Father. Now I come to you, God, and these things I speak... There it is, first reference to his word, these things he speaks in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Jesus gives us his word so we ourselves can experience his joy. I have given them your word. There it is again, God's word. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They're not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. 
Your word, again, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. That's us being salt and light in Jesus' behalf. Verse 19, and for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Five times in this little tiny segment of Jesus' lengthy prayer, Jesus mentions God's word. Five times in this prayer. And he mentions it, and it's, and it's tied there with God's plan to, this is for Christians, this is God's plan for our joy. And he's not teaching that our joy comes from relationships. He's not teaching that our joy comes from health or, or, or possessions or, or provision. It doesn't even come from having vision. And he's not teach, teaching that, he's not asking God to generate our joy by giving us an escape from the circumstances of the world. He only asks for protection What Jesus mentions over and over at least five times, just in this short passage, is God's word, God's truth. And God's word is tied directly back to our joy. Back to our text, Psalm 1, verse 2, talking about the blessed man, the, um, the happy man. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. Okay, so about God's word, first thing is that God's word brings delight to our soul. Is the Bible, for you, is it like a stop sign? Is it, is it more like a speed limit sign to you? You know, only setting limits, only, you know, do you see it as only restricting your freedom, only, only somehow, you know, put, putting impossible barricades between you and your happiness? Is that, is that how you view the Bible? Or, you know, is, is the Bible like, a cool drink of lemonade on a hot day? Is it, is it a breeze of fresh air? Is it, is it, you know, rest for your soul? That's an important question to ask your soul because, you know, it, you, you just can't, you will not delight in something that you view as your adversary. God gives this promise, the same promise right through Joshua, and we see this back in Joshua 1 verse 8. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. This is God talking to Joshua. But you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. That part is our choice. What's next is what will happen if we choose it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Awesome. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. That's God's word. First one is that it brings um, delight to our soul. The second one is sustenance. It's our sustenance. Matthew chapter 4 is this this story about Jesus, and he was being tempted, um, and it was really important that he would be tempted, and that's a rabbit trail I don't want to go down, but it's in this process, and we're going to pick that up in verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. That may be the most obvious end of a sentence in the entire Bible. (laughs) Fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you're the son of God, command that these stones become bread. Listen, I, I fasted one time. Longest time I've ever fasted was 10 days. 10 days, nothing but clear liquids. And I um, was seeking the Lord. And, and at the end of that, I'm, I'm telling you what, n- towards the end of those 10 days, if you had been cooking popcorn five miles from me, 
I would have been a bloodhound coming after that popcorn. I could have smelled it from five miles away. It was, it was really, really difficult to stay focused on God and to deny my, 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 my appetites. And um, Jesus went 40 days and 40 nights, and now the devil is offering fresh bread. You don't even have to be cooking it. I can start smelling it without even cooking it. I can smell fresh bread. You know, we've been at home and Lisa's cooked some fresh bread. I'm telling you what, I could be stuffed full of dinner and if the smell of fresh bread is coming out of that oven, you know, I'm going to jump over the counter to get at it. And Jesus is being tempted. Here's his answer. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus values his word above bread. <laughs> you know, the word of God is not meant to be this occasional reference book that we um, visit occasionally on Sundays. It's, it's, it's to be taken and it's to be consumed for strength and for life, just like bread. And it's to be consumed multiple times a day, plus snacks. Isn't that how bread works? <laughs> And here's the thing, nobody else can consume my bread for me. I got to do it on my own. Other people can bring it to you, you know, they can bring it, they can barbecue it, they can boil it, they can broil it, they can bake it, they can saute it, they can toast it, it can be pan fried, deep fried, stir fried, they can make Bible soup, Bible stew, Bible salad, you can have the word with potatoes, you can have a word burger, you can have a word sandwich. That's about it. <laughs> the thing is, only you can consume it for you. Only you. Okay, back to our text. Okay, so the one who isn't like worldly people around them and the one who makes God's word uh, part of their very fabric, verse 3, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Well, what a great promise today. Instead of anxiety and self-destructive action, you know, whatever he does shall prosper. Awesome. And, and this word whatever here means everything. It means family. It means children. It means marriage. It means business. It means job. It means health. It means God intends to bless everything. Now, the thing about the blessing, and sometimes people stop listening after they hear the promise, there's, there's no promise of God that, that, that's without responsible actions to be taken on our part. There's no promise that just, you know, no one is going to prosper until they start actually doing what God says. A lot of people want the promise without the commitment. The thing is, God's answers occur when you put his word into action. Into action. Which brings us to our next major point. How to thrive. Um, Christians, we're not supposed to be like the world around us. We're supposed to consume God's word. And then this, worship God in spirit and in truth. You've probably heard that phrase before. It's from Jesus in John chapter 4, verse 24. I'm not going to teach that passage today, but we are going to come to it later. Jesus is, is absolutely our best example of worship. And um, I, I don't know if it'll surprise you or not. Would it surprise you if I'm going to use an Old Testament passage to demonstrate Jesus' qualities of worship? 
Um, you know, we ought to be, by the way, you and I ought to be able to share the gospel, the good news, just doing, using Old Testament pro, uh, passages. It's easy to do it with New Testament ones, and we should all be able to do that as well. But in the first days of the church, they didn't have the New Testament written yet. They only were able to use the Old Testament, and thousands of people came to know Jesus. So um, we're going to be, now before we put this passage up, I'll just give you a little context. We're going to be in Psalm 22, and I'm kind of breaking pastor preaching rules by including an entire chapter. It's a lengthy chapter, but I think we need to read the whole thing, um, and um, it's going to be worth it. And let me give you a little context about this. This is a Psalm of David. David wrote, wrote most of the Psalms. And uh, this is a prophecy. And when you look at this prophecy as a whole, you, this passage, this, this chapter, you're going to say, wow, this is really a prophecy about Jesus' thoughts and prayers and what was going on in his heart while he hung on the cross. It's amazing. It's uncanny. Uh, because this psalm was written a thousand years before Jesus. It was written hundreds of years before the invention of the execution method known as crucifixion. Now, the word crucifixion is not in this passage, but the characteristics are there. You'll see it. And um, so this is a real problem for the Jewish, uh, for, for Jewish people because um, it's, it's a lot of controversy. It's like the only way that this is not describing someone being crucified, you have to really torture this text to make it say that it's something else. So um, pretty, pretty amazing. So remember, this is in the context here. This is a prophecy by King David from when Jesus is hanging on the cross. And this is Jesus having a conversation with the Father. Verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear, and in the night season, and I'm not silent. Verse 3, but you are holy and throned in the praises of Israel. That's the passage that we always, you would hear it be said like this. Um, God inhabits the praises of his people. That's where that comes from. Jesus is praising God here because praise will bring the presence of God. Praise releases God's glory. Verse 4. He says, our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. He's worshiping now. He's, why have you forsaken me? He's hanging on the cross and now he's choosing to worship. They cried to you and were delivered. You tr they trusted in you and were not ashamed. And he goes back now to his pain. But I'm a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying, he trusted in the Lord. That's the word I am, the great I am. He trusted in God. Let God rescue him. Let God deliver him. Since God delights in him, now back to worship. He was describing the mocking that was going on while he was on the cross. You would know those passages. Verse nine, but you are he who took me out of the womb. God, you made me trust while on my mother's breast. I was cast upon you from birth. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. He's worshiping God from the cross. But not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. This, a potsherd is just a broken jar. It's worthless. There's no strength in a broken jar. And my tongue clings to my jaws. 
You have brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. Dogs is talking about these evil people around the cross. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and they stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O strength has hastened to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns. Worship, worship, worship. And from the horns of the wild oxen, you have answered me. I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, this word, um, this is for assembly here, if it's translated in the New Testament, the same, it's translated as church. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. Now he moves from not only worshiping on his own, but calling people around him. Come on, worship God with me. Right from the cross. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him and fear him, all you offspring of Israel, for he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried out to him, he heard, my praise shall be of you in the great assembly. I will pay my vows before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. And from all the families of the nations shall worship before you. From the cross, Jesus is worshiping. For the kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust shall bow before him. Even he who cannot keep himself alive. That's me and you. We can't keep ourselves alive. And we're going to worship him. And every non-believer will worship too. And now he's telling each generation to pass on the good news. Verse 31, they will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born. That he has done this. That's, um, <laughs> worship is so much more than singing in church. It's that for sure, but it is so much more. Worship is declaring to God, to yourself, and to the world, God's glory. It's telling the world about God's glory. That's worship. It's an action. It's an attitude. It comes in a lot of forms, and we're going to look at that in coming weeks. Scripture tells us um, um, that while we're at stay-at-home, or while we're out and free, that the one who, the person who isn't like those in the world, the person who consumes God word, God's word, the person who worships God in spirit and in truth, verse three, he shall be, that person shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and who, whatever he does shall prosper. What a great picture. What a great promise. I want that for me. I want it for you. Psalm 92 says the same thing. It says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him.
And also we find it in Proverbs 11. But God's people will prosper like healthy plants. Thrive, to thrive means to grow vigorously, to prosper. That's my prayer for you today. That that you will thrive under today's conditions and even more. You'll thrive. Our goal for this series is we are going to, over the next several weeks, explore how to worship and how to consume God's word. And as we walk through our experience of stay at home, which we're doing now, and whatever life looks like after this you know, moves forward, that as that process happens in our physical lives, in our spiritual lives, and in our relational lives, we're going to become more like Jesus. And then in that process, we're going to come through with, with, with we're going to come through more, more mature, we're going to come through with more faith, and we're going to come through with more peace. We're going to be peace-filled. And as we grow, and as those personal blessings settle into our soul, they're going to spill over onto the people around us. That's where I think we're going to be. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you, God, for this picture and this promise of what you want for us, what you're thinking about us. And it's not about all of this bad news. And, and yes, God, we will do the prudent things. We will be wise. We will be safe. But we don't look to those methods to be our covering. We look to the king. We look to the one who sees us like a flourishing tree, f- bearing fruit with leaves that never wither. Lord, so be it. Let that be our promise. Let that happen to us. And we realize, God, that there is a if this, then that part of that equation, that there's blessing that comes when we are, when we are in the pathways that you've called for us to be. So help us, Lord, to be people who are in the world but not of the world. Help us to be people, God, who find that our heart would delight in your word. And help us to be people, God, who will learn to worship you in spirit and in truth. Now, Lord, I pray, too, for those who have heard this today and they feel, I'm on the outside and I want to be in. Scripture says, and I would just say this to you as Christians are praying in their homes all over. They're praying for you. You're somewhere, they're somewhere else, they're praying for you. That's because the Holy Spirit prevails on people's hearts to do that. I would say to you, if you've never opened your heart to the Lord before, you should. There's an eternity to gain and a hell to avoid. Scripture says, all who call on Christ will be saved. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and you can pray this out loud or to yourself or with someone, or you can change the words. But I invite you, if you've never opened your heart to the Lord before, to do this. And then, if you want to, someone will pray with you. There's a button at the bottom of the screen, and someone will pray with you, and uh, we won't invade your life. We just want to help you in any way we can. Lord, we recognize that... We all fall, your, your scripture says that we all fall short. We all have sinned at times. And because of that, we just, don't, we just cannot match the glory that's required to be with you and to be in heaven. But we also believe that you loved us so much that you sent your son Christ to pay the price for our sin. He paid the price by dying on the cross. And then he proved his power and authority over life by rising from the dead, from raising from the dead. Thank you, God, for that. I call on the name of Christ for salvation. I ask for him to be my God. I ask for him to make me right with God. I receive that gift in my heart today in the name of Jesus. Now, I I call these things, Lord, these things we've prayed about. We ask God for your highest and your best, for for you to lead our steps every path along the way. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen.